Creative, authentic, resilient. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Brave Files podcast. I'm your host, Heather Vickery. And today's episode is brought to you by the Create Brave Manifestation card deck. This deck was lovingly created and designed by me and my friend, Rachel Swanson. We are two coaches who really wanted to put something together to help you get inspired, motivated, and feel connected as you manifest and source your next steps in your life personally and professionally. The cards are designed to give you the tools you need to manifest your next steps in every possible way. Each of the 48 cards feature a unique focus word, a mantra, and a stunning visual piece of art that you can use to inspire and guide you as you set intentional focus on what's ahead. It also comes with a fantastic guidebook that has coaching guidance and create brave action steps and prompts that you can get creative and unique in so many fun and inventive ways. If you like affirmation, oracle, or tarot cards, you are going to love the Create Brave cards. So get your own deck right now by visiting vickeryandco.com slash store. All right, folks, today's conversation is so much fun. We do talk about some really serious stuff, but there's also a lot of laughter and silliness, including talk about birthday spankings. Is this something you've heard of? What the actual fuck, folks? If you've heard of birthday spankings, please hit me up on Instagram at the Brave Files Podcast and let me know because this is a weird concept to me. But today's guest, Chris Davis, is such an incredible human being. Chris was a faithful Mormon stay-at-home mother of two who left the church when her child came out as trans. And at that time, she also finally admitted to herself and to others that she was and always had been a lesbian. Although Chris has a wicked sense of humor, and this may sound like a setup for a movie, Chris is anything but acting. Finally pursuing her dreams of being a writer and living her best life, you are going to love Chris as much as I do. Let's meet her right now. This is Heather Vickery, and you're listening to The Brave Files, stories from people living courageously. When we choose bravely in big and small ways, it powerfully elevates our lives. I hope these stories connect with you and encourage you to embrace bravery in every possible way, day after day. Together, we can build a movement of courageous living that enriches both our lives and our communities. And if you enjoy the show, I ask you to please share it with others. Maybe think of someone who you want to choose bravely right alongside you. Thanks for tuning in. Now here's the show. Hey everyone, today I'm excited to bring you uh, a friend actually. She's become a friend of mine, which I'm super grateful for, Chris Davis. Chris was a faithful Mormon for 38 years. She even served a mission for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. After being married to a man, For 20 years and raising a family as a straight stay-at-home mom, Chris has come out, and in 2017, some pretty big shit happened to redefine Chris's life. She's here to share her very powerful story with us, and I would be remiss if I did not give some love and props to my wonderful friends, Mary and Shelly, from the Latter-day Lesbian Podcast, 
because I was a guest on their show and Chris is a fan of their show. And that's how we met. And I love you, Chris, because you were like, I liked you on this show. I want to talk to you. And we became friends. And I just think you have an amazing story. And I'm so excited to have you here. Welcome to the Brave Files. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here, Heather. I would be also remiss in not saying that at the time of recording this, it's your birthday. It is. Thank you. Happy birthday to you. (laughs) Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Chris. Happy birthday to you. Oh, thank you. No spankings, (laughs) right? No. Oh, hey, now, this is not that kind of show. (laughs) Spankings. Is that some, like, fucked up Mormon shit? Like, you spank people on their birthday? What is that? Is that a Mormon thing? I don't know. I've never heard of spanking people on their birthday. You get a spank for each year and then a pinch to grow on. That's some cultist shit right there. Why? (laughs) That's what my family always said. Unless it's 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 a kink. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Well, I'm really glad to have you here. and, And I'm really honored that you chose to spend some time on your birthday with me and the fans of the Brave Files podcast. So there's a lot to dig into. And I guess, you know, we've set the stage. We now, we know that you are divorced out, lesbian, mom. Can we go like all the way back? Can you tell us a little bit about what it was like being you? And and I don't, I don't have any expectations of what that means, but growing up Mormon, what was that experience like for you? Um, at the time, it was really comforting actually to have the structure okay. of the church and to, have a way to build my life and some stability. My family was a little rocky. So it really felt good at first to belong to a group and to have clear expectations and um, promised blessings. Were you born into a a family of Mormon people or did you convert into it? My mother converted when I was real young and then I got baptized at nine. Okay. All right. That's fascinating. So your mother converted and took you along with her, but it felt like, it felt like somebody was holding you is what I'm hearing you say. Like, oh, it was nice to have this structure. It was nice to have this because shit was a little wacky before that. Yes. It was very comforting. Okay. You have fast forward to right now. I'm kind of, that's the best thing about memoir type stories is you can tell them in all sorts of order, right? You are no longer with the church and you've even written some pretty wonderful essays that have been published and are being published, reasons that you didn't belong. So at what point does it not feel as comforting or maybe it still feels comforting, but yet something doesn't feel right? Like when do things start to shift a little for you? Well, um, that's a good question. Uh, I, I was about five years ago, I started studying with a couple of friends uh, to try to just figure out my faith and try to figure out what I believed and starting to read other authors from other faiths and some, um, some Buddhist teachings and just trying to branch out a little bit and open my mind because I felt like uh, maybe there was something else out there. And then in the course of that study, I discovered that my church was not true. (laughs) Um, Wow. Okay. So so wait, like, Five years ago, like up until that point, it all felt great. Like you felt you fit, you were comfortable, you yeah. you believed it, you were happy. Why does that amaze me? <laughs> <laughs> I always had questions. 
And of Mm. course, being in the closet made me have even more questions. But being a woman in the church was a struggle. And so I I was studying on that topic mostly. Okay. Did you... Did you know you were in the closet, like at the time? Like, when does this present itself for you? So, says somebody who didn't come out till I was thirty-eight, right? So, I, okay, and because I didn't know, like, that's we. Well, how did you not know? I'm like, I just, I don't know. I didn't know. Like, women say things to and about each other that I didn't know meant that straight women felt differently than I did. Oh, she's so hot. Oh my god, like, look at her. That that felt something internally to me that I thought everyone felt, but it turns out. You know, that's just for lesbians <laughs> <laughs> or bisexuals. Sorry, LGBTQ people. Right. Yeah. So what about that for you? So when I was like seven, I um, got an inkling that maybe girls could be a- attracted to girls. And um, but I just kind of tucked that in my back pocket. When I was 13, there was a man who was uh, beaten to death and thrown in the river for being gay. Oh my God. Yes. And uh, everyone laughed about it and made lots of jokes. And I realized that it would be not be safe to be that if that's what I was. And then in 2003, uh, my brother passed away and I went in the hospital because it was so overwhelming. I had two little kids and I was married and, um, you know, still faithful in the church and, uh, but my faith wasn't enough, and I I became very overwhelmed. And in the hospital was when I first admitted to someone that I was gay, mm. and that it was a burning, just coal in my belly that needed to come out. And so that was when I first came out to someone. In two thousand and three, you said two thousand and three. But I didn't come out to anyone else until after. <sighs> After I left the church. So what fascinates me about that is, and I hope you all know, everybody knows, I ask questions not from a place of judgment ever, but just deep curiosity. You said that until you left the church five years ago, you were like all the way in and felt safe and felt held. And I'm curious how you can be, have decided to be honest, A, to yourself and B, to this one other person. You know, I'm, and, and, and you with I'm gay. Like this is not, I don't, I don't, I'm not exploring. I'm not sure, but this is a thing I know about myself. And you still felt safe and comfortable in the church. Uh, less so. <laughs> okay. But uh, after I had studied for a year and kind of lost my faith, then I, I made the commitment to stay in the church until my youngest graduated high school. Why is that? Uh, well, my plan actually was when I was in the hospital in 2003, I decided to um, make a plan so that I could survive until my kids were raised because I really wanted to be a part of their lives and I felt uh, Mm. suicidal. Yeah. And so, so, oh, yeah. yeah. And so um, I made a plan for to go 17 years uh, to raise my youngest to graduate high school. And then I was going to be free to kill myself. And so uh, when my youngest came out as trans a year after I had been studying, so four years ago, uh, the church was not welcoming and not confirming and not affirming and not, uh, not very friendly or kind to him. And so um, that's when I left the church and I told him 
that the church was not true like Santa Claus and that we would not be going back. All right. So let's just back up a second. You did not want to live your life, but you did not want to abandon your children while they were still young. Exactly. And so you, the deal you made with yourself was let's get it through these next 17 years. You had a date in mind, didn't you? Uh, I had a year in mind. Yeah, and uh, it was it was the summer of 2020. You you were gonna you were gonna take your own life in the summer of 2020. Yeah. I do want to talk about your son, but before we get there, as you approach 2020, are you still actively thinking this is something that I want? At what point do you go? No, Chris, this is not what you're gonna do because you you matter and you should be here. For that, I need to credit my life coach, um, Christine Walker. She's she's amazing. She was actually one of the friends that I was studying with. And then cool. she uh, decided to be a life coach and was practicing and asked if she could practice on me. And I was like, sure. Um, <laughs> life coaches are the bomb. I, they I are obviously awesome. am a fan. <laughs> so she you know, helped me make this whole plan and everything and gave me assessments and, and not a uh, plan to kill yourself, a plan to live. Right. To, <laughs> I just want well, to be clear. Here's the, here's the thing. We got all done with a plan and I was like, you know, thank you for helping me with this, but this isn't actually my life plan uh, that I'm, I'm, suicidal and and there's an end to this so we're not going to do all these th wonderful things that we're talking about um i felt close enough to her to confide in her that i was suicidal what and did she, she say she she was shocked she had known me for about what 15 years mm. um had no idea and she was so supportive and just um, helped me to realize that there is so much more to me than wife and mother and that I have a really exciting future. And so on August 3rd of 2020, I packed up a U-Haul and I moved to back home to Maine. And so August 3rd is my new life day. And I mm. celebrate my new life every year on that day. That is beautiful. I have chills up and down. Um, that is beautiful. Thank you. As you moved through the year 2020, are you aware? Are you like, hmm, this is the day I didn't kill myself? Like up until August 3rd, right? Because at that point you had decided, I'm not going anywhere. I'm I'm here. I'm staying. Yeah? Yes. Um. But up until then, are you just doing the thing and you're not noticing that the time is ticking by or are you consciously going, this isn't the day? Um, I, I, it was just a, a general plan. I didn't have an exact day set. Okay. All right. So let's go back to 2017. Your child comes out as trans, which had to be wildly difficult for a child who was born and raised in the Mormon community. 
He was, what a brave child you have. He was terrified to tell me because he knew how religious I was. And it just broke my heart to know that that my keeping him in the church had contributed to the difficulty of his coming out. How old was he at the time? 15. Man, that's a tough age anyway. Yeah. Yeah. You know, how many kids do you have? Two. You just have two. Okay. Um, and is he your youngest? Yes. The one that you were you were hanging on yes. until he could graduate. Do you know the same in the same conversation when he came out to me as trans, I came out to him as a lesbian. Wow. And so it for those three years we had the secret, just the two of us, and um he really helped me learn how to love myself and helped me learn how to accept who I was and love myself, not in spite of who I was, but because of who I was. We really wow. grew very, very close. That's beautiful. And it's interesting to me. Was it, what was the motivation? It was good, wonderful that you had each other for this secret, but what was the motivation for keeping it a secret for both of you? The protection, safety, Church. fear. Yeah, my marriage would have been destroyed if I had come out to my husband at that time. And how was that different from when you did come out to him? Well, that's how I know it would have been destroyed if I had come out to because him. Because it destroyed earlier. it. It was just, yeah, it was already rocky and it just, uh, it was a landslide after that. But obviously you made the conscious decision that destroying your marriage was what was required to survive and yes. to live your life. Yes. I realized that in the life coaching. Okay. Okay. Is your son out now? Yes. And, and how, how's your other child receiving all of this information? My other son, he's older. He's still in the church and um, just returned from a mission a year year ago, and um, he's finally grasping the idea that he has a brother. And right. um, you know, it's still awkward in the bathroom, but in public places. But um, <laughs> uh, he's he's figuring it out, and he's learning how to relate in a new way. And they're they've become very close as well. What about with you? How's your relationship with your eldest? Very good. Um, he's actually has a. Uh, a girlfriend who's teaching him good communication skills. <laughs> <laughs> Yay. <laughs> so uh, he's, you know, he's checking in with me. We have weekly FaceTimes and um, we really are growing very close. I love to hear that. That brings me so much joy. I do know that there is a movement within the church, a certain number of people who are working to be more open and affirming of the LGBTQ community. Would you say he's falling in that category? Like he's still committed to the church, but also he's able to love you. Because I mean, I know from Mary and Shelley that they're like, you can't accept your gay family members and still be an active member of the church. So how is he uh, and this is your story and not his, but I'm curious from your perspective how he's balancing those. Uh, I'm not sure how he's balancing those, but he seems to be accepting me just fine. He, I know he loves me. He knows I love him. Um, 
I don't think he would ever like join a Facebook group like Mormons Bu- Building Bridges, like you referred mm. to, and that kind of thing. I think that would feel too much like um, rebellion. Uh, because he was raised crazy. not to be rebellious. By me. All, by you. <laughs> as were all the children in the Mormon church. Yes. Yeah. Follow, follow along. Head down, follow along. Yes. Yeah. And that leads me to something really interesting. The very first conversation we had, which I remember quite clearly, actually, I don't know if you do or not, you shared some really big dreams with me, which I believe you are actualizing right now. We're going to get to some of those. And one of the things you said to me was, I don't have any role models for having any sort of professional career. I don't know anybody who has a professional office job or does anything like that. Uh, I introduced you to some folks and uh, I'm not sure what's happened since then with those people. We're starting to question, right? That's where this goes. Like you've got to get off of the path of just put your head down and do the thing and look at other options. So what led you to recognizing that you wanted that? And what have you done with it since then? Well, um, I, I did meet quite a few people that you introduced me to, and it was fascinating, and they were all very uh, happy to help me. Uh, one of them, Jen Grace, is going to help me Love publish Jen my Grace. book, my memoir. Yay! <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Hi, Jen. <laughs> um, it was, uh, I, I realized that one of the things I need to do was go back to school. Okay. So I'm working on my undergraduate right now. Um, I started in business and discovered that that was not my path. <laughs> uh, it was a little bit morally ambiguous for me. <laughs> <laughs> I like that term, morally ambiguous. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> These people are fucking liars. No. <laughs> well, you know, you skew your numbers to tell your story. Sure. And, you know, sure. you certainly yeah. negotiation and that kind of thing. It was just not... Uh, where my strengths lie. And so I'm an English major again, which is where I started uh, many, many years ago. So and what do you uh, want to do? Uh, you're going to, you're writing your writing, memoir. Writing. You are writing. Yeah. You also told me you love, you love books, right? You love writing, oh, yeah. you love being around books. You had this sort of what I think felt like a far-fetched desire to work at a local bookstore. Oh yeah. And I did. I, you did. I did it. Yeah. You did that. I did. I worked at the bookstore. It's called Bull Moose. It was uh, uh, a lot of fun. I met a lot of nice people and I still go back there as a customer now. What I love about that as you know, that felt like a big dream or goal for you in that moment. And I know some people here and are like, that doesn't feel like that big of a leap to me because we all show up in different spaces and, and times to wherever we are. But what is so inspiring about that for me with you is you had a very clearly defined thing that you wanted that felt far off and you just showed up and did the thing. I did. I remember you sent me a, a text message and you said, I got a job at that bookstore. Oh, yeah? Yeah. That's awesome. Which is like my favorite thing about the work I do is if I very often, and I feel so lucky to be able to say this even if they're one-off conversations or they don't seem to be that impactful, when people do the thing that they think is brave, they often come back and share it with me. And that's my favorite thing. Oh, and course. I love it when you do it. That's your paycheck, right? It's a, I, that is the, it, it's the reward for sure. Because I know then that 
you know, we're all out doing the best we can. And it's nice to be thought of. That's what gratitude, baby. Tell, tell people who, when you're grateful for them or celebrate with them, it makes such a difference. Um, you have been doing a lot of writing, Chris, and you've gotten some, you read one of your essays on the radio, right? I read a portion of it. Yes. On the radio yeah. talk show. Yep. How did that come about? And what was that experience like? Um, I actually uh, met a friend who does the radio show uh, in a care group for a local church here, uh, not a Mormon church, uh, UCC and okay. church. And um, Marvin is uh, a, a great friend. And he said, I'm doing this um, this queer spirit interviews and, and uh, would you like to on there and I was like yes what an opportunity and uh, he held my hand through it and we did a good job that is really cool so you have maintained a spirituality you have found a new church home that that works in your soul in your moral compass I'm in the process I'm actually um, learning more about the UU church Unitarian Universalists mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. that seems to fit well because it doesn't talk a lot about God and spirituality I mean spirituality yes but not it's God more universal Bible yeah, exactly yeah 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 Excellent. it seems to fit better what was the what's the driving force behind wanting to seek a new church rather than just not have a church I would I, I like the community yeah. I enjoy people who are like-minded gather together. It's comforting to me. It's something that I'm I've grown accustomed to and I enjoy that. Yeah. I think a lot of people do. No matter what their religion is. I mean, religion offers community and that's how it lifts you up or it holds you back, right? Exactly. As you share both sides of that coin. Yeah, that's fascinating. It and feels you good to it feels good to volunteer to go to church and not be required to go to church. How about that? Yeah. 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 And to want to. Yeah. How's your life changed since you left the church? Like just from a day-to-day -day standpoint, how has your life changed since you left the church? I drink coffee. <laughs> <laughs> Do you like it? <laughs> I love it. Chai tea is my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> that is so funny. Yeah, no hot beverages at all, except for like hot chocolate was okay. I don't know. Yes, uh, it's should. a little confusing. Caffeinated soda's okay, but coffee's not okay. Tea's not okay. It's a little confusing. Wow. All right. Anything else other than I drink coffee and chai tea now? <laughs> um, add for everything. Everything is different. My whole mindset. I, I get up and decide what I'm going to do and what I believe and how I feel. And I don't look to somebody else to tell me those things. It's mm. fundamental. Is that difficult to learn to do? To learn yes. to identify what you want for yourself and, and then take action on it? It was terrifying. It was really scary. For a couple of years, I had a hard time trusting myself and learning how to recognize what I, what I want. Mm. Is, are, are there notable moments where you were like, I want this and I'm going to do this and I don't need permission? Uh, it was my divorce. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I went to a, a hotel to spend three days by myself and just write and uh, journal and read and think and meditate. And I came out of that with the idea that 
I just kept writing, I want, I want. And then it was, I want to be, I want to be. And I didn't know the end of the sentence until the end of that trip. And it was, I want to be alone. Mm. Wow. It was a powerful moment, a spiritual moment. And I felt like that is my genuine deepest desire right now is to be alone. Did you, how quickly from that moment did you take action on that desire? Years, a couple years. I've been there, done that, friend. <laughs> I know that feeling. Mm-hmm. Because even when it's right, it doesn't make it easy. And these things are hard. Yeah. It's a lot to unravel. Yeah, I feel, I feel that. Since, fast forward to a couple of years later, when you do come out and you do start to take this action, because that's also, you didn't leave the church until you came out to your husband and decided to come out, right? I left the church when Rune came out. And Rune is your youngest child. My son, yes. My youngest son. How did the rest of the family take that news, leaving the church with your child? Uh, it was really very hard on um, my husband and my older son. Um, they didn't really understand um in the church it's you're you make commitments for eternity and so to end those commitments to break those covenants is of eternal consequence and so it was very deep deep betrayal to them Mm. even though I finally felt free and I finally didn't believe it anymore and I finally felt like I was autonomous it was very difficult for them. It was difficult for my mother as well. I'll bet. But you were a mother, and this is what you needed to do to protect your child and yourself. Exactly. We can do amazing things when we tap into that, can't we? Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. true. I didn't I actually that. come out to my husband and to my parents until and, and the world until January of 2020. So that's not too long ago. And what happened then? And then I... Uh, I waited until August to move, and then in about November, December, I met the love of my life. <gasps> oh, yay! <laughs> That's amazing! Congratulations! Thank you, thank you very much. She's she's amazing. She's wonderful. I have no doubt you are amazing and wonderful. She's a lucky girl. <laughs> so, do you have? How's your relationship with your parents? Uh, my dad and I don't really ha- have never been close. My mom okay. and I are very close now. We spent uh, a few years estranged, not because of the church or coming out or anything, just for my own mental health. You know how that goes sometimes with parents. But um, I love her very much, and we spend time together every couple of months. We spend a few days together and watch movies and play cribbage and cook and <laughs> We just have a lot of fun. That's nice. All right. So she's been accepting and loving. Yes. For you throughout this journey. She's, she says that she uh, she loves me, but because she's associated with the church, she can't support me. Man, you are a better person than me. Or just maybe just a different one. Because I would have a really hard time accepting that. But you're, it's, it's okay for you. It's enough for you. It's okay for me because I understand the bind she's in with the church. Sure. Yeah. What a loving, patient, 
person you are, as long as you're advocating for yourself and you're protecting yourself to be able, I mean, I think it's a real gift to be able to accept people for the very best that they can do, even if it's not really enough. Yeah. Yeah. I just accept her for, you know, what she can do and where she is. And we just meet there and, and, um, Mm -hmm. we don't talk a lot about it, but, um, it's, she sees me that I'm still me. Yeah. Just happier you. Happier me. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. I love that. That that's beautiful. Does this feel as you've moved through all of, all of these different stages and phases, does it, did you feel brave? Absolutely. Every yeah. day I felt brave, especially leaving the church. You know, on the day I left the church, I was in the bishop's office with my youngest and with my husband. And we were talking about, you know, the situation and what the church could do for him. And and uh, he wanted to stay, my son, but um, it just wasn't going to work out. And so I... I actually called the bishop a prick. <laughs> Look at you. I bet that didn't go over very well, but it you felt great. It didn't, but I, but I, in that moment, I claimed myself, yes. I claimed my territory. I protected my child and I stood up for myself because, you know, he didn't even know that I was in the LGBTQ community at the time. And so right. I felt like I was staking my claim for you. Yeah. What's been the biggest struggle since August of 2020 for you? Uh, I was going to, it's money. That's okay. (laughs) Money was difficult. Uh, The finances were, um, you know, uh, a little complicated. Well, you Uh, didn't work, right? You hadn't had a job. I did never had a job. I had never had a real career job, no. Yeah. And so I just lived out of a savings account for a year. Wow. That and was yet most difficult. Y- you've done that though. And that's yeah. not the issue now. It's not the issue right? now. No. No. Good for you. Thank you. What's been the best unexpected surprise? My honey. Yeah. <laughs> My love, my discovering that I can be loved for who I am and not for what I do and not for the role I play, but just because of the essential human that I am. She loves me. That is the dream. Yeah. How did you two meet? We met on an app. (laughs) That's how everybody meets these days. I'm never going to do that, but yeah. I love that. I mean, I think it's great, right? Like we should yeah. be using technology to our advantage. I'm down. Okay. So you, you are a writer, a thing you always dreamed about doing and being. It is who you are. Uh, you were working on your memoir. You shared that with us. When, when do you anticipate having that out? I'm hoping to have that finished by the end of this semester. And I'm, I've, written the whole book. I'm just working on edits now. And uh, I'm hoping to get that process rolling uh, by the end of the year. That is exciting. Well, you'll have to be sure to keep us posted. We'll put you in the Brave Files podcast guest library. And I, of course, want an autographed copy and of course. all of the good things. Yeah. Do you have a title yet? I just came up with it last week. What is it? 
a life worth living. Mm. That feels like a really on point title based on the journey you just shared with us. Yeah. And you have uh, an essay that's going to be published. Now, this fascinates me and and I'm not exactly sure why, but it's going to be published in the University of Utah Press. Now, I hear University of Utah, and I'm like, they don't give a fuck what us queer people have to say about their things. But you're being published there. The article's called Five Reasons I Don't or I Didn't Belong. So tell us about that and, and getting that, hitting that milestone. Well, uh, I, I got in contact with this project through the Queer Mormon Women Project. Um, there's actually a, a an organization <laughs> of That's amazing. queer Mormon women, and um, uh, they were looking for essays, and I had just written an essay for school, and uh, it was on the same subject, and I rewrote it as a narrative essay and submitted it, and they accepted it. It's being published by the University of Utah Press. A uh, little interesting note that... Um, the people in Utah know, but uh, that other people might not know is that the University of Utah is known for being anti-Mormon. Oh, that's amazing. Right. Yeah. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. Cause I was like all the Utah stuff. They, <laughs> <laughs> I was in Utah for a conference a couple of years ago and it was a great conference. I had an amazing time. Uh, but I definitely didn't feel safe in Salt Lake city. No, no. Salt Lake is even the safest place you could be in the whole, in the whole state. That's probably true, but it's still like, I'm like, nope, let's just, let me get my ass back to Chicago. Yeah. Yeah. So many wonderful things to celebrate and be grateful for. How do you like to celebrate? You know, my favorite thing to do to celebrate, first of all, I go in the mirror and do some fist pumps and pat myself on the back and, you know, give myself finger guns and stuff like that. I love that so much. I love it. I get in my car and I drive to the car wash. (laughs) <laughs> oh my God, Chris, you are making me so happy right now because these are two things that nobody in over 200 episodes, nobody has ever said are their forms of celebration. They're fucking fantastic. You go to the car wash. Why? What yes, does it do for you? It feels new and clean and exciting. And it's just, <laughs> you know, I sit in the car and it just rolls through the, progresses through the wash and, and I come out awesome. and I'm squeaky clean. And it's such a... You know, there's thundering noises and and I just turn off the music and I just listen to it and experience it for that 30 seconds, however long it lasts. And I feel great afterwards. I love that. I love it. It's such a beautiful analogy. Like you found this sort of metaphysical experience and found a way to physically experience it. And I, I am so in love with the idea that you go to the mirror and you love on yourself. Because did you love on yourself before? Was that a thing you did? No, No. I never did. It's new. It's new, new celebration. And, and I am a big fan. That is amazing. I am so grateful that you shared that with us. I hope the listeners like do that. I mean, the car wash thing is brilliant. I have a kid who loves the car wash. Maybe she gets that experience and I don't even know it. She just fucking loves the car wash, but uh, the mirror thing, right? That's a self-love. That's a self-compassion uh, and being able to celebrate with ourselves in that way, it just, it, it, it's a motivation train, right? It opens up the door to so many things. That is beautiful. I am so happy right now. <laughs> I am so happy right now. My, this is now my 
tied for the top answers to that question. My other, your tied answer is our mutual friend, Jen Grace. Do you remember what she said? Did you hear her interview? No, I don't remember. Jen puts on Disney princess music and dances around the house with her cat. (laughs) (laughs) Now, if you know Jen, she is not girly. She is not super feminine. She's also queer. And the idea of her turning on Disney princess music and dancing around the house with her cat just brings me so much joy. And this is how I feel about you in the car wash. And now whenever (laughs) I'm in the car wash, I'm going to celebrate you. I'm going to be like, I'm just sending all this energy, celebration and love energy over to Chris because it's car wash power. (laughs) It's so good. It's so good. Chris, what is your favorite charitable organization to support? My favorite charity is the Mama Dragons. They're a group of mothers who have rainbow children who are struggling and they give each other advice and support and they are a fantastic resource. Awesome. Thank you for sharing them with us. They'll be our charity of the week. And as I always ask you all, go and learn about them. Like, share, support, give time, money, whatever it is that you can, because it's on us, folks. It's on us to band together as a global community of people and help one another rise up. We have to do that. So I appreciate it. Chris, if you, if we have a listener out there who isn't yet sure how they can step into their most authentic self, how they can honor and love themselves and maybe get out of a situation that feels like it's keeping them down, similar to you. What is the first piece of advice you would give them? Where should they start? That's a great question. I think they should start with trusting themselves trusting their Mm -hmm. intuition. It's uh, something that we don't, I didn't ever tap into. Uh, Trusting themselves and then taking courageous steps to make that come true. Mm. Thank you for that. The first step to being able to do anything is believing you can. Exactly. That's beautiful. Thank you. Chris, will you share your three words with us one last time? Yes. Creative, authentic, resilient. Beautiful words from a beautiful person. Uh, I'm so delighted to be able to have had you here and share your story and to see your, you guys can't see it because it's just audio, but I can see Chris's beautiful smiling face and your energy. You just glow. Uh, It's such a treat and a joy to be just this tiny part of your journey. Uh, Thank you so much, Chris. Thank you, Heather. It was really a great pleasure to be here with you today. All right, folks, I hope you enjoyed this as much as I did. I I have a feeling you probably did. If you have a brave story that you would like to share, I invite you to apply to be a guest on the show. You can fill out the application on our website, which is thebravefilespodcast.com. Remember to follow the Brave Files podcast on Instagram. And if you want to reach out via DM, I read all of those stories and all of those comments and respond. I would love to continue to support you on your journey as well. For now, this is Heather Vickery reminding you today and every single day to go out and choose bravely. Hey, friends, I want to share something really exciting with you. We already know you enjoy listening to podcasts because you're listening to this one, but I'm also betting you enjoy audiobooks. And hey, listen, if you don't already enjoy audiobooks, then it's time to check them out. That's why I'm really excited to share Libro.fm with you. 
They are an incredible new platform for listening to audiobooks. And by choosing Libro.fm over other audiobook services, you are supporting a local bookstore of your choice and investing in your local community. Libro.fm offers over 150,000 audiobooks via their primary platform, which, by the way, they built with love and from scratch because they're a small business also. They even offer bookseller recommendations for great audiobook options. You can sign up right now via www.vickeryandco.com slash LibroFM. That's vickeryandco.com slash L-I-B-R-O-F-M. And when you do, you'll get one free audiobook of your choice and the proceeds will go to your favorite local bookstore. Now, check what I just said there. You're going to get a free book. And the proceeds are still going to go to your local bookstore because Libro.fm makes sure that their booksellers get paid even when they give a promo to customers. I've listened to over 20 audiobooks this year alone. I especially love listening to memoirs read by the author. And it feels great knowing that all of my purchases support my local bookstore, The Book Table, in Oak Park, Illinois. Libro.fm. The same audiobooks, the same price, but a completely different story. Check them out right now at vickeryandco.com slash LibroFM. Have you ever thought about starting a podcast? Maybe you've had this thought and then quickly shut it down because who has the time? Or you don't know how, or gosh, it just all seems too hard. If you have something to share with the world, we want to encourage you to get your message out. The world needs to hear it. Did you know that 50% of all homes are podcast fans? If you've ever wondered about having your own podcast or how it can increase your business or get your message across, then please join me and the other experts from the Podcast Power Academy for our monthly free Q&A session. It's called So you want to start a podcast? This casual live conversation will help you understand how podcasting can be a great decision, why now is the best time to get started, and how to get into action with it. Visit podcastpoweracademy.com to learn more. You've been listening to The Brave Files, stories of people living courageously. To learn more about the show, find our show notes, and full episode transcripts, or to get some great bonus content, visit thebravefilespodcast.com. And we would love to know what you think of the show. You can give us a call at 312-646-0205. Let us know your thoughts on the episode, the show in general, or maybe share with us how you're out choosing bravely. This episode is brought to you by Vickery and Co. Success Coaching coaching that helps you maintain a life well-lived and a business well-run. Learn more at vickeryandco.com. Our music was created and produced in a custom collaboration with Matt Lewis from ML Creative Consulting, a boutique firm dedicated to helping clients identify their unique sound and amplify their brand with custom-delivered soundtracks. We couldn't do any of this without our extraordinary audio engineer, Andrew Olson. Learn more about him and check out his work at findandrewolson.com. 
And special thanks to everyone on Team Brave from our producers, associate producers, copy editors, writers, and support team. Special thanks to Molly, Mary, Kim, Sabra, and Sabrina. I'm your host and executive producer, Heather Vickery. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll talk to you next week.